Hello and welcome back to the LFCS Talks podcast. My name is Troy Beyer and I have for you today another great interview with Victor Kempsey, the Dean of Students at the Junior Academy. Um, before we get into that, let's talk about what's going on this week. It is the week of May 8th through Friday, May 12th. And this this week, we have a bunch of stuff going on. So on Monday the 8th and on Wednesday the 10th, we have Mad Science um, assemblies happening. And then on Tuesday the 9th, there is the PTLC meeting that's happening at the Liberty Academy Hangar. And on the 10th is our LFCS board meeting. Also going on, we have Leadership Council elections happening at the Junior Academy on Thursday, I believe. So there are a bunch of students who are, um, I believe, eighth graders going into high school and then some of the other Leadership Council committee members that are running for office here are going to have a bunch of signs and posters around campus at the Junior Academy. That'll be fun. And on on Thursday, the 11th, we are having our first grade SeaWorld field trip. And so that's happening on Thursday. Other than that, I think that is some of the, you know, kind of big stuff. Oh, Big one, on Friday the 12th, we have senior exhibition presentations at the high school. So this will be a pretty big one as well. And in line with what I say every week during this podcast, before I get into our interview, parents, we love to have you on campus. If you would like to get involved in your campus, make sure you're getting a hold of the front office staff, get a hold of your classroom or your student's classroom teacher, or get a hold of the administrator on site. Ask them, how can I be involved? How can I help? We love having students on campus. It only makes us better. It makes your kids feel like they are known. It lets their kids know that you are involved in their education, and it also simply just is better to have parents around our school. The more you're here, the better we are. We love having parents on campus. If you're looking to be part of the Dads on Duty, which is kind of our security um, program, I am in charge of that. If you'd like to get in touch with me to be a part of that program, if you're a dad or a grandpa or, or guardian of the student on our campus, go ahead and email me. My email address is on our website at lfcsinc.org. And without further ado, let's get into our interview with Victor Kempsey. Hello and welcome. I'm here with Victor Kimsey, our associated or vice or assistant principal. What's your what's your title here, Victor? I am the dean of students this year. This is my first year as dean of students. So you don't even get like assistant or associated or no? They took those away from me. <laughs> they took those away. <laughs> yeah, I'm just a dean of students. I just focus on student issues. Cool. Well, Justin made up his own name, so he, he, that's where Associated came from. I think John John's the president, just full stop. His daughter calls him the president. So if you have any creative names you want to name yourself, I think the podcast is where you get to do that. Gotcha. How are you doing today? I'm doing good. I'm doing real good. Thanks. Good. How much time did I give you? I like to ask that question at the beginning. What's that? How much time did I give you to prepare for this podcast? Uh, I don't know. What, five, ten minutes? Five, ten minutes? Yeah. Nice. That's well, how that's going to be yeah. good. <laughs> All right, Victor. Um, first question. So what's your role here now at Literacy First? And then if you want to kind of give us a summary of, of all the roles that you've had at Literacy First leading up to where you are now. So what's your role now? Sure. I, I am the Dean of Students. I have other hats. I am in charge of the yearbooks, our safety plans, um, lots of different things, a fourth grade trip to Sacramento. There's all kinds of different hats I wear through the year, but officially I'm the Dean of Students. There's a dean of students. Yeah. What about the, so? Talk about the safety plan a little bit. I know that's something that you're you're actually pretty passionate about. You've been to a few trainings and stuff like that, making sure that teachers, staff, students, everybody kind of knows what the most recent 
research is on how to keep kids safe or what is that? Yeah, well, I always go to different workshops that the SDCOE puts on. I've been to plenty of them. I've been to some that are just gut-wrenching. I've been to a lot of them where I have um, the administrators from schools that have had shootings come and give their perspective of what it was like when it was happening, things that they wish they would have implemented before. And, and it just it, it's really eye-opening. So at the beginning of every year, I have the opportunity to talk to all the teachers and give them a um, bit of a condensed version of what the different workshops that I've been to, mm-hmm. just because uh, school safety is huge for me. It's paramount. Um, yeah. That's number one priority to keep everybody safe. And in today's world, the more we know and the better strategies that we can implement, then the safer we are. Absolutely. Yeah, I know. I mean, and that's where we came. That's where, you know, all of these little hangers that hang on the door so that teachers can keep the doors locked. And real fast, they pull off the little rubber hanger deal and the door can lock really quick, but also stay safe during the day where doors aren't physically locked. And the idea that, you know, if, if they need to lock a door, they can wrap a belt around the top hanger thing to hold yep, the door yep, shut. Yep. I mean, all kinds of strategies that Victor's come up with that he trains our teachers with. So just for those of you listening, we are very serious about safety on all aspects, and Victor is is in charge of a lot of that. So um, any other fun roles that you have right now that you want to share? Oh, no, <laughs> just focusing on our students is number one, giving them positive reasons to show good character. That's the same with giving them consequences. What I like to do and what LFCS likes to do is praise publicly but punish privately. So I do my best to shout off the rooftops when kids are doing well. I just mm-hmm. gave Mrs. Lansford's class a pizza party um, <laughs> for their great cop being good during recesses. And uh, But when a, a student has an issue, I try my best to pull them in one-on-one and deal with the issue so that it's not a public thing that these kids are um, having to have a consequence. That's cool. That's great. Okay, so how long have you been here, and what roles have you played here since you started? So this is my 15th year with LFCS. Um, I started out when I came back. Well, I don't know how far back to go. Uh, I joined LFCS in 2008. I was a fourth-grade teacher. And after my second year here, my son was about to start kindergarten, and I had a conversation with Debbie Beyer. We had a conversation in her office I'll I'll never forget. I went in there just to talk about life in general. We had a really good conversation, lasted about 30, 40 minutes. And in that conversation, I just let her know how amazing the school is and how I just saw myself as this is the last place I would ever work. I let her know that I was completely bought into the organization, and I literally was contemplating the rest of my life working as a teacher here. Um, But in that conversation, I also let her know that uh, I could see myself as an administrator eventually moving up in the ranks, just whatever needed to be done in order to help the school to thrive. What I didn't know is at the time, Debbie and Jerry were looking for an administrator because Jamie, who was in charge of the Liberty Academy, needed to come over to the Junior Academy, and they didn't have anybody to fill her space. So they had been looking, unbeknownst to me, after I left that meeting with uh, Debbie Beyer, she got on the phone to Jerry Keough, and she let him know that I was interested in the admin role. Both of them agreed that I would fit in that position. And so a couple days later, she called me back in her office and let me know if I was willing, asked me if I was willing to up the time scale and just start the next year over (laughs) at the Liberty Academy as the assistant principal. So I was the AP over at Liberty when we moved to Main Street from Spring Street. And I did that for, I believe, seven years. And then they moved me over here. 
and I've been here now for six years. This is my 15th year with LFCS altogether. That's great. Any other fun side roles inside of those 15 years? I mean, I remember, you know, back in your fourth grade years, one thing I remember about you being a fourth grade teacher is that every single morning before school started at that Liberty Academy over there on, on Spring Street, you had your kids do a chant. Do yeah. you remember that? I remember that 100%. What, I don't know why more to- more teachers don't do it that. It was so cool. Well, okay, what were the words? You don't got to do the chant. If you want to, you can. Yeah, well, we would what slap our knees and clap our hands, and it's like a bump, bump, ch, bump, bump, ch, and we say, uh, who are we, mighty, mighty kids? What do we do? Work hard. How do we do it with all of our might? And then we had this big, uh, at the very end. <laughs> And everybody used to be looking at that, and everybody would be watching us on the playground, but it didn't catch on. It was just my class. It was great. It became kind of like every, the whole school was waiting for Mr. Kempsey's class to do the chant before they would go into the classroom, because it was when all the kids lined up before, cl- before school to go into the classrooms. I, was, I loved it, because that was actually my first year, too. You know, Mr. Kempsey and myself, we started on the, on the same year um, at the same campus. I was just a lowly little <laughs> teacher's aide in a classroom, fifth grade. Um, all right. Well, what drew you to literacy first? Why? What is the story that ended at Mr. Kempsey, Victor, being a fourth grade teacher at literacy? So Mr. Kempsey is a traveler, always have been. Uh, I was born in Italy, right outside of Naples in the Navy Hospital, this little city called Puzzuoli. And my mother is from the hills of Naples, and my dad is this tall, redheaded guy from the Bronx. They met when he was in the military. Um, I moved around quite a bit. I was in Italy through my kindergarten year. I actually didn't start speaking English until we moved to Spain. I moved to southern Spain, and my first grade teacher knew Italian, luckily, and she was able to help me with the process of learning English. I have older brother and two older sisters, and they were going to Italian schools, but they knew English as well because they were taught that in Italian schools. And so I learned pretty quickly. Uh, We went from Spain to Cuba when it was Guantanamo Bay was just a Navy base. It wasn't a prison. Wow. And that was fun. That was really fun being an eight-year-old catching snakes and lizards every day before school. (laughs) And then we went to Virginia when I was 10. Only stayed there for a year. That was my first time in the continental U.S. And then we moved back to Spain where I did my formative years. I moved here to San Diego when I was a sophomore in high school, El Cajon Valley High School. Came at the summer before my sophomore year. I graduated at El Cajon Valley, and then I went to San Diego State. I started as a liberal studies major because I wanted to be a teacher. But then about my junior year, I decided to change it to a criminal justice major because I just thought that my life would go into uh, law enforcement. After I graduated, I worked for the YMCA in a gang and drug prevention program. And after a couple of years, it became a little bit too uh, stressful for me. There were certain things that happened when I was working there that were hard to shake. And uh, so I, I was in a rut. And my brother, I remember coming to me and saying, you know, you, you started school for being a teacher. Why don't you be a teacher? And he brought me back to the reason, you know, my, my guiding light as to say when I graduated high school, I did want to be a teacher. So at that point, I went back to school, and I got my teaching credential. And as I was going through the teaching credential process, um, I thought about joining the Peace Corps, which I did. I applied. And as soon as I was done getting my teacher certificate, I went into the Peace Corps. I went to this little island in the middle of the Pacific, right where the International Dateline and the Equator meet, little tiny Republic of Kiribati. It's what it's called. It looks like Kiribati, but it's pronounced Kiribati. I was on this island 
It's about five miles long and three quarters of a mile wide for two years. And then I moved back to San Diego when I was done with that. I worked at La Mesa Spring Valley. And after my second year, the start of my third year, they offered me tenure at La Mesa Spring Valley. But it was not a place in which I wanted to work for various reasons. And I also wanted to keep traveling. So I went to a job fair and I either wanted to go to South America or Asia. There was a school in Thailand that said all the right things. So I ended up going to Thailand. I lived there for four years. Halfway through, I met my wife. We started our family. And when my son was nine months old, we both decided that as amazing as Thailand is, it is not the land of opportunity that the U.S. is. And so we would be doing a disservice to our son if we didn't move huh. back here and raise him here. Wow. So we moved back here, and I got a job at Anza Elementary. I was a PE teacher. And then the second year, I was a reading specialist. And one of the people, one of the teachers that I was helping out that second year was named Sarab. She is the sister of one of our founding members, Cindis Perez. And Sarab found out that we were going to be opening a school, Liberty Academy, on Spring Street. And she suggested that I apply. Huh. So I did. Uh, so I, wait, wait. Jamie just told me that Cindis was her connection to Literacy First too. Cindis brings everybody. <laughs> I didn't know this. That's really cool. All right. We'll give Cindy uh, a high five when I see her next. <laughs> All right. Continue. Uh, well, that, that's basically it. I mean, I applied. I was a fourth grade teacher at the Liberty Academy. We were on Spring Street. And then when we moved to Liberty Academy on Main Street, I became the assistant principal. And from there, like I said, seven years after I came here, and now I am the dean of students. That's great. That's really cool. Man, that's, that is a, what a cool story, Victor. Thank you for sharing. That's, um, and I'm sure there's a million, million stories in, inside of those. Um, question, what was the interview process like for you? It was interesting. I mean, I sat there with uh, the other people. I read the charter. I literally read the charter before I went into the interview process. You and might be the only person that's done that. Yeah, nobody, said, nobody does in, that. I've sat in more interviews than possible, and most of them don't even know what a charter is. So, hey, if you want to work for Literacy First, be Victor. Hmm. <laughs> read the charter. Yeah, I, I All read 590 it well. pages. <laughs> well, it's it wasn't as long back then, but it, it is getting longer and longer as the years increase. That's cool. But we went through the interview process. There was a star floating above my head. Somehow uh, got me to <laughs> be hired and start as a fourth grade teacher. That's cool. Anybody else in your panel that you can that was notable that's still around today? Uh, I don't remember. You don't remember? Okay. No. Um, next question. So, Victor, what do you see as your purpose here at Literacy First? Well, it's corny, I guess, but it's to, to make a better tomorrow, to, to help improve not just the lives of the students here, but of America as a nation. And it, I just see myself as uh, trying to help our future leaders really understand what it means to, not just academic-wise, but to have character and to, to resolve issues through words instead of physical force and just to really think things through and just help guide them. I praise a lot. I give rewards a lot for good character. And I, I really enjoy the relationships I build with the students because I see every student as a future leader. So what I want to do is do the best that I can every day that I'm here in order to ensure that my kids grow up in a world that is safe and still the greatest country in the world. And the only way that that's going to happen is if our leaders or the, the future continue to be strong. And, and that is my purpose, is to, to make America a better place, just one student at a time. I don't think that's corny at all. I think that's literally why most of us are here, right? Um, 
what do you do? How would you define like good character? Right. You know, I think that as a general term, it, it makes sense, but kind of, can you parse that out a little bit to you? What does that mean? What do you work I, on? I, I always tell kids that good character is doing the right thing when nobody else is looking. When you know you're not going to get caught, you still do the right thing. The yeah. right thing is the thing that your parents have been teaching you, the things that your church has been teaching you, the thing that everybody in your life is letting you know. And I think as human beings, we're innately, innately unaware innately aware of, of right and wrong. I mean, when you're about to do something that's wrong, there's something in your system that lets you understand that that's wrong. Hmm. And so I just, I think character is looking out for everybody, doing the best that you can every day. Um, our eight character traits, I believe in 100%. I remember the first time I saw those, um, I was hired, I came to the interview process, and I was late. And I came in, and everybody was in the auditorium, the NPR, and they were looking at these eight keys of success, and they were studying the eight keys of success. And I sit in the back, and I'm thinking, is this, is this real? Are these people really focused on all these eight things that I hold true as core in my <laughs> own being? And this is a school that's teaching people that this is what we need to be teaching the students? It, it blew my mind. It blew my mind that this was a school that was teaching character using those eight keys, and those eight keys really aligned with everything I'm about. Yeah. What are your favorite keys? Uh, integrity. Yeah. Integrity, for sure. For sure. But they're all worthwhile. They all have good purpose, and uh, they all help our students. Yeah. Failure leads to success is my favorite. I love that one. I love mm -hmm. talking on that one. <laughs> you fail a lot, though. I know. <laughs> I failed at shaving this morning. I'm surprised <laughs> that you didn't bring that up already. If you, for those of you that are listening, Victor mocks my shaving and lack thereof on a daily basis. It's a great time. Um, <laughs> what are some things about LFCS or you that you'd like our families to know? So kind of what would you like our, our families to know about you or Literacy First? Um. This school is very, very dedicated. I mean, if you look at our, our mission, values, vision, that is what guides us. It really is what guides us. From the top down, um, we are really, really focused on doing the best that we can for what we have. And the amount of help that we get is not that great. So a lot of it is our school is self-reliant, keeping a budget and paying for things that other schools don't have to pay for. But I think yeah, like facilities. Yeah, we like have facilities. To, we have to fund and and repair and yeah, our facilities. Yeah, so other other schools take their facilities for granted. We can't. Yep. And it just we're really really focused. Um, I, I can't say enough how great this school is for all of its faults. If people find faults in this school, they are so so overcome by all the positives that this school has to offer. Um, we try really hard, a year by year, try to improve. We are always going through workshops. We're always training teachers. Mm -hmm. We're always looking at the new metho methodologies of teaching. And we really, really try to get better year after year after year. And I think it shows in our students and our scores and just who we're about. Awesome. Now, is there anything else that you would like to share? Just open mic, kind of... Um you know, when I've talked to some other admins, we've talked about just some advice that parents might need to have because we, you know, we work with thousands of kids on a daily basis or what would you like to share? This is open mic time for Victor. Hmm. Well, I think I would give advice to parents that even though their, their child 
is very honest and tells the truth all the time, their perspective might not necessarily be the reality of what is actually going on <laughs> in their life here at school. So I have a lot of parents getting upset because their child has come home and, and said something to them about something that happened at school, and they get really upset. But once they talk to me and I put them in touch with their teacher and they find out the different perspective, it really changes things up. And it's just a matter of, yeah, your, your kids are amazing and they're wonderful and they tell the truth. But sometimes a little kid might not know what the truth is. And it's best just to get it from the horse's mouth. Mm -hmm. Go to the teacher, go to yeah. whoever it was, the admin, and find out what really happened before you get upset at us. Which kind of brings me to the the soapbox that I get on and the intro for every one of these podcasts. Be on campus. The more parents are on campus, the more they have the context of what we're doing here and the more they are part of it. And that helps the whole piece. You know, I mean, um, our teachers here, they work tirelessly to support students. And, you know, a lot of times our teachers are pushing our students hard to learn things that they don't necessarily want to learn, or they're pushing them a little bit harder than they want to be pushed. And so, yeah, of course there's, you know, sometimes there's complaining, but that's part of growth. You know, we as adults, as we are learning things that we don't necessarily see, see value to, or that we don't want to learn or being told that we can do more than we can do now, we get frustrated about it. But if parents are here on campus and if parents are around and they're talking to their teachers, then they can understand that the heart of what we're doing here is to help our students find their limits and then push past them. And yeah. then again, find their limits and then push past them because that's the only way to raise the bar. As human beings, um, us as adults, right? The only way that we can push our own bar is if we find our limits, fail at that limit, and then push higher. It's like my failure leads to success, mm -hmm. favorite, th favorite thing, right? Um, it's exactly like working out physically. If you want to get stronger, you have to find your physical limit and basically fail. <laughs> you, know, you fall on the ground. Oh, that was too hard. And then the next time you can go a little farther. The next time you can run a little further and blah, blah, blah. So anyway, um, anything else, Victor? Um, let's see. Want to share, share anything in Italian? Uh, <laughs> no. You don't have to. I actually... Uh, didn't speak any English until I started learning Italian, uh, English in first grade. And I forgot my Italian. It was weird because I didn't remember again until I was in high school. Huh. My, my mother speaks Italian all the time at home. My brother and sisters speak Italian. So I've always been around it, but I completely forgot. I was kind of like brainwashed into speaking English because I wanted to do it so bad. Uh, I don't have an accent and I completely forgot Italian until I was about 16. And, and all of a sudden it started coming back to me. And so now I'm not fluent, but I'm conversational in Italian. I'm conversational in Spanish because I lived uh, in Southern Spain growing up. And of course, English is my primary language now. And I speak very little Thai and very little Kiribati. But all of those uh, experiences have led me to where I'm at today. So I think I've had a pretty blessed life. I enjoy all the different places I've been and all the memories that I have from all the different places. And I can do a podcast, like you said, about each place I've lived because they were all um, incredible years of my life. So I don't have any particular place that I can hone back to when I think of those were the good years of my life. They've all been good years and they continue to be good years. Awesome. Last question. This one's really important. And we're recording this podcast a week before you're going to hear it. So I'm going to ask a question that might... Um, not be might be out of context, but this weekend F1 is going to be in Miami. Who you got for the win? 
I'd like Alonzo to win, but my heart is always with Leclerc, but I know my brain says that Max is going <laughs> to win. Gonna, I don't know. Perez won last weekend. Yeah. He got him. He but held him we'll, off the whole we'll race. See, we'll see if Max lets him win ever again, because <laughs> I think Max is going to have a huge chip on his shoulder, and I can see them bumping into corners. Yeah, which might bring in Alonzo. Yeah. And on yeah. that note, <laughs> I think we're done. Victor, can you sign us out in Italian? Ci vediamo. Un otro tiempo. Grazie a tutti. Ciao. LCS out.